This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Chris-a-mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful you. questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Well, as Justin Roberts and the other announcer man just said there, this is the Chris Van Vliet Show. I am Chris Van Vliet. Thank you for downloading this episode wherever you are, however you're listening, whether you're in your car, on the treadmill, sitting at your desk at work, in bed, I guess that means we're in bed together, but not like that. You know what I mean? That's cool. Uh, Thank you. Uh, We're just four days in as we launch this episode, and thank you. This is insane for making the CVV show a top 200 podcast on the Apple Podcast app in the sports and recreation category. Um, This is huge, and we're just getting started, people. So I've got a whole back catalog of interviews that I've been uploading or I've been getting ready to upload. This interview with Eric Bischoff was one of them. I mean... He's one of the greatest minds in the wrestling business. It was such a pleasure to talk to him. And when the news came out today that Eric Bischoff was named as the executive director of Monday Night Raw and Paul Heyman, the executive of SmackDown Live, we were going to upload this anyway. Then we had to re-record the intro to kind of include this. I mean, this is big news. This is going to cause some big changes in the wrestling world. And this is uh, an interview that we did with uh, Eric Bischoff last summer And it makes it so much more timely because we're talking about a lot of stuff that's still current today. Bischoff's a brilliant guy with a ton of great ideas. And the way he thinks about the wrestling world is completely different uh, from a lot of other people. I can't wait to hear what you think of this one. But before we get to it, the CVV show is brought to you by Green Road CBD products. And I know there's a lot of CBD companies out there, but simply put... Green Roads produces the highest quality pharmacist-formulated CBD products on the market, period. They're obsessed with not only using the best ingredients, which in turn, of course, gives you the best products, but Green Roads has been a game changer for me in terms of helping with inflammation after the gym uh, with their muscle uh, and joint relief cream and their CBD oil, which really helps deal with stress. Use my code Chris15 to get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. Chris15 to get 15% off at greenroadsworld.com. Also, thanks to Samson Technologies for the mics, the headphones, the gear that we're using right now. Check out samsontech.com to see their full lineup of great audio equipment. So once again, this interview was done last June. Bischoff was hosting an event at the Hard Rock Casino here in Hollywood, Florida with Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And yes, I did an interview with both of them at the same time. It was incredible. Uh, You can see that on my YouTube page. Uh, With Bischoff here, we touched on a lot of interesting topics, including him wanting to turn Roman Reigns heel, 
Mm. And also him saying that he probably wouldn't ever go back to WWE, which is very interesting now. You could say this interview is too sweet. Here it is, my chat with Eric Bischoff. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Glad to be here. So uh, it's Legends of the Ring tonight. You're like you're hosting this. You're emceeing this. I'm emceeing it along with uh, Jimmy Hart, mm-hmm. Mouth of the South. We are. I'm going to be up on stage. I'll be asking a lot of the questions of both Hulk and Rick, and Jimmy will be out in the audience talking to the fans. So it, we'll we'll tag team them. So it's Hogan and Flair here tonight. And when you do events like these, what's the biggest question that those guys get asked? Well, you know, tonight's a little bit different. We're going to obviously take questions from the fans towards the end of the night, but I'm going to do my best uh, based on how long I've known both of them and and what I know of their lives to ask questions that the audience hasn't really heard before or to get a look into their lives and their careers and and their perspectives on the business Mm -hmm. that perhaps hasn't been discussed before. So it's a little different than just a QA. and a So give us a little insight on Ric Flair that most fans might not know. Well, I don't know that I have any insight as okay. to, to Ric Flair, but like many of the fans are going to be there tonight, I have questions about his career. You know, like one of the things I'm looking forward to asking him is, you know, he's a legend now along with Hulk Hogan, and that's why we're all going to be here tonight. But, you know, I want to know who did Ric Flair look up to as a legend when Rick was beginning his career? Mm-hmm. You know, what what at what point in Rick's career or Hulk's career did they feel like, wow, this may not be the right thing for me, or maybe it is the right thing for me. You know, how do they feel about those points in their in their careers when they had doubts, like we all do, in our careers? Yeah. You know, there's got to be that moment when you go, oh, I don't know, should I be doing this? Yeah. You know, so I want to get into those types of personal uh, yeah. questions and perspectives. Can I ask you that question? When was that moment for you when you're like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? Uh, about halfway through 1997. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know where it goes from here. No, I'm just kidding. I, I you know, once I took the job, you know, at, at WCW and, and actually prior to that, once I started working for Vergania, I knew that I loved the business. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to experience more. So there was really at no point. Um, did I doubt whether I should be doing it or not? There was a point, you know, in my career, towards the end especially, when I just felt like the way things were going, I wasn't too sure I wanted to do it anymore, but it wasn't because of my lack of confidence. I've been listening to your podcast 83 weeks, and I want to say congratulations for the great success you guys have had. The amount of knowledge that you guys put out in those couple hours every week is, is unbelievable. Well, you know, I've been in the business for 30 years, and Conrad's been a fan for probably... 25 years uh, and he does his research you know I, I kind of love him slash hate him for it <laughs> if you listen to the show you know yeah, what I yeah, mean because yeah. he holds my feet to the fire I mean he doesn't he doesn't let me slide and I appreciate that uh, it doesn't sound like I do but I do <laughs> because it's entertaining right he'll ask you like about specific dates he'll be like August 21st 1997 and I don't, like you remember most of this, which is actually impressive. Um, most of it, but not all of it. You know, and the fans, it's funny because, you know, the people that follow me on social media, of course, they bust my chops. The minute I say, I don't recall, it's like, oh, I'm going to get <laughs> blistered on the Internet because he'll ask me one question that I don't remember the answer to. And I don't I don't bluff my way through it. Yeah. If I don't know, I'll just say, look, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't make stuff up like a lot of people do, but man, do I hear from you know the fans when, when that happens. So I try. How involved are you in the world of wrestling now? I'm not at all. I mean, I'm I'm on the outside looking in, like mm-hmm. all the fans are. You know, I I feel like I had a uh, I had a good run. 
Um, I get to do some amazing things and work with some amazing people, and I'm really grateful for that, but I'm just like everybody else now. I'm on the outside looking in. As a fan, are you watching like the rest of us? Are you watching Raw and SmackDown every week? No. <laughs> Ain't gonna lie, no BS here. Uh, no, I don't. I, you know, I drop in mm -hmm. if there's something going on that I'm particularly interested in or, if, you know, a character that I like following or a friend of mine is involved in something that's kind of high profile. I'll drop in. I'll check it out. I'll make sure I catch it on, um, you know, a replay somewhere somehow. I stay alive uh, on top of things in social media. Uh, but I, I can't sit, I'm, and I can't sit and watch anything for three hours, you know, or two hours. But I you just, were the one that made Nitro three hours. Well, I didn't want to. I was forced to. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. <laughs> Who in the world of wrestling do you still keep in touch with on a regular basis? Hulk Hogan, still my best friend to this day. Uh, I stay in touch with DDP occasionally. I'm a horrible phone friend. Anybody that knows me, even my family, you know, my brother and sister who I love dearly, I probably only talk to on the phone once or twice a year. Uh, but I, you know, I stay in touch with text messages, kind of impersonal, but you know, whatever. But I stay in touch with Hulk, DDP. Um, wow, I guess that's it. <laughs> Is but, it I, but you know, I, I, like I'm friends. You know, when I go to LA, I'll I'll call Steve Austin and we'll go out and we'll have a beer and a burger or something. And, yeah. You know, I stay in touch with people and I and I and I have good relationships with certain people. But I just, you know, Ernest the Cat Miller is another guy that I really dig. Sonny Ono. Yeah. You know, are still friends of mine. So there are people I stay in touch with, but not many. Is it hard for you as a fan to watch the product and just appreciate it, what's going on rather than going, yeah, I would have booked this a little bit differently? You know, I don't. I, I never analyze it from a creative point of view. I never try to be an armchair quarterback when it comes to creative because, you know, I was on the other end of that. I know what that's like. But what I've learned having done it is that if you're not behind the scenes, if you don't know all of the variables, you know, like if, if I was writing for you and you were a performer in WWE, if I don't know what your strengths are, if I don't know what your weaknesses are, if I don't know where you're at mentally and emotionally, it's too hard as an observer, as yeah. a fan, to say, well, this is exactly what I would be doing with this guy because you don't know. You only know the tip of the iceberg. Sure. Some people are are not ready emotionally or from a confidence perspective, or they don't have enough depth and range in their character quite yet to give them that push that you know the audience may feel like they deserve. But if you can't look under the hood and see how all the pieces are working together, you don't know for sure. So I, I stay away from that. With that said, do you think a guy like Roman Reigns is over? Like he's getting, he's getting a reaction. He's not getting the reaction they're hoping for, but do you think he's over? You know, over is a subjective term. It means different things to different people. Um, clearly, you know, he, he's high profile, mm -hmm. if that's what over means to some people. Um, is he a fan favorite, if that's what you mean by over? No. Mm -hmm. Is he got the right kind of heat that is um, constructive, that can be used in order to advance a storyline? Questionable. But I don't think that that's Roman's fault. I, th I think the way he's been packaged and the way he's been presented in, to a degree, dare I say, because I, I don't like to be critical, critical but he has been, 
there's no other way to say it. He's been forced down everybody's throat <laughs> for two years. But you, 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 no matter how good you are, no, I don't care if you're Vince McMahon, if you're Steven Spielberg, I, you know, if you're William frickin' Shakespeare, it doesn't matter. The audience is only going to go so far, and you can only force that fish to swim upstream until it just gets tired and it has to go the other way. <laughs> would a heel turn help him? Because he does have oh, that momentum. Yeah, he would, I wish they would turn him heel. I wish they would embrace that. You know, the one thing that I do, and this is going to sound critical because I guess it is, but I really hate when I hear people say, oh, we're going to let the fans decide. That's like the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. Is this YouTube or where yeah, is you it? You can say whatever you want. I can yeah, say this shit This is YouTube, here? yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But, you know, it, can you imagine if you were writing a movie, right, and, or directing a movie, and you went to the movie studio and you said, look, see, I got this script, and, and we're going we're gonna to cast, you know, the greatest actor that we can that we can afford but i'm not really sure if i want him to be a good guy or a bad guy we're gonna let the audience decide <laughs> i mean that'd be the last movie you ever wrote or directed and that's kind of what they're doing with roman and i, I just don't buy that oh we're gonna let the audience decide stuff you know i don't i don't i don't believe the talent really believes it i think it's a way to kind of cover up the fact that the creative you know that that's being provided to that talent is probably less than up to par, yeah. but whatever. I think if it was me, I'd make him a heel. If he can't talk, I'd find somebody to talk for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar. Perfect. You know, I mean, Brock, when he starts talking, you immediately the illusion vanishes. You're yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. But find him a good manager. Find, a, find him a heel character manager that can speak for him. Put him in the right position so that a baby face can benefit from all that heat because the fans will buy that. Yeah. That would be great story, but for whatever reason, they keep kicking that fish upstream. <laughs> Although I guess that there's the idea that if they turned him heel, then people might start cheering him. Well, that's because they put themselves in that position. They box themselves into that corner by forcing, trying to force the audience to buy something they don't want. They yeah. did it to themselves, meaning the WWE creative. And yes, you, Vince McMahon, did it to yourselves by trying to force something that the audience didn't want. Yeah. With all this said, you clearly have so much knowledge about the business. I don't have knowledge, brother. I have an opinion. There's two different things. I think you have knowledge and an opinion. All right, I'll go with that. When will we see you inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Probably never. Oh, come on. No, I don't see it. Really? No, I don't see it. How could you not be? You're such, you know, raw is what it is because of Nitro being what it was. You know, everybody's got opinions about that. I have my own. Um... Whatever. I don't think about it. You know, people, you know, ask me about it in, in interviews and I have to respond to it. But it's just not something I think about. And I personally don't ever see it happening. There is a moment in WWE, a very specific moment that I don't, I don't know if people have asked you about that I'd like to ask you about. And if it happened today, it would be so incredibly controversial. And you were part of it. It's Vince McMahon saying the N word to John Cena. You're part of that. You weren't on camera the, at that moment. But when he said that, what was your reaction? It was a different time, you know, culturally, uh, politically, everything was different back then. It, it, you know, in the context in which that scene was written and executed, it, it was a little sensitive at that time. Now it's, it would be nuclear. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's toxic at this point. But again, it's different culture, different time. And, and I think people need to be careful when they start looking at things like that. Just put put it in the context and particularly put it in the context of the time frame that it occurred we weren't nearly as sensitive then as we we are now and it was it was almost a parody of itself 
and when you start going, when you start doing parody, when you start doing comedy, it's treacherous mm -hmm. because you can step over the line, as we've seen recently. But especially back then, it was just a lot more latitude. Was that scripted? Well, I wasn't part of it, so I don't know. But if, I would guess it probably was. It must have been because Booker T was then in that segment. Tell me you didn't just say that. Most everything in WWE is scripted, so I would have a hard time yeah. accepting anybody's explanation <laughs> that that particular scene wasn't. What is your take on SmackDown moving to Fox? That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, we could do we could do an entire one-hour show on that, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I, number one, I think it's awesome. You know, network television, it's a holy grail, um, number one. Number two, Friday nights. It's not a good TV night. Yeah. You know, they're going after that younger demo, which is, I think, probably why Fox, you know, was excited about getting that SmackDown brand. However, you know, I still remember when I was 20, you know, 25, 28, even younger than that. You know, Friday nights was the night I was out trying to get laid. I was doing stuff on Friday night. I was out with my friends. I was, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. I wasn't sitting at home watching television. And I don't think anything's changed. You know, now maybe because most people are getting their entertainment off their laptops and computers and maybe people are spending more time at home now than they used to, but I don't see that, man. The other thing that I'm curious about with regard to that is you've got Raw, which is still the flagship show yep. in in the opinion of many, which is over on USA Network, which is owned by NBC Universal, and now you've got SmackDown which is on network television owned yeah. by Fox Network. Yeah. They don't, they're competitive networks. Yeah. Now what's gonna happen when the WWE, which traditionally has been able to you know, cross pollinate talent and do all kinds of cute little things creatively. Yeah, yeah. Now what's gonna happen when they're gonna, WWE is gonna wanna say, no, we're gonna take this guy that's really getting over here on Fox and we're gonna put him over here on, on, on Raw for a night. Yeah, I think some, Fox executives are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I could give you a billion reasons over the next five <laughs> years why we don't want that to happen. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I think politically uh, is going to be an interesting um, manifestation yeah. of those choices. And if SmackDown ends up being in more households than Raw, does SmackDown now become the A show? I don't, you know, look, uh, Raw is always going to be, well, I say always. For a long time, Raw is going to be perceived to be the A-show because it has been for so long. Yeah. And, and while you may get a couple million more homes, perhaps, uh, uh, as a result of being on a Fox network versus USA Cable, um, it won't really matter when it comes to perception from the fans. So I, I don't think so. I, 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 but I, I really, and here's the other thing, you know, having been there in a way, once network executives start going, hey, what do you, what, why are you doing that on this show, but you're doing this on that show? Why aren't, why aren't you doing what you're doing over there, over here? Once the network executives, because they all kind of hide in their offices, you know, they cover their ass, they don't want to create too much of an issue, until things start going a little south. Yeah. Once the ratings start getting a little soft, or there's any kind of a downturn, then all of a sudden they're going to get brave, they're going to come out of their offices, and everybody's going to have an opinion. That's when it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. I think what's going to be really interesting is live television is such, it doesn't happen very often other than like sporting events and now raw mm -hmm. or wrestling in general. How big is the deal going to be after this deal expires? Do you think? Oh man, I can't look forward to that. I mean, I may not even be around when that happens. How, how old is this? It? Five years. I'll be almost <laughs> yeah, so, 70 years yeah. old. I don't look that far ahead, brother. You look great for your age, by the way. Thank you. 
You I, should see my liver. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on uh, everyone using Too Sweet now, which was obviously an NWO thing? It was an NWO thing, and I think it probably had its actual beginnings with the click, perhaps, in, in WWE. But it was never a part of content. It was never a part of programming. That was made popular on Nitro. But I think it's another attempt, not an attempt, it's another effort by WWE to kind of own that because everything that was associated with NWO probably still in the darkest, deepest recesses of their collective egos and minds, they still can't stand <laughs> the fact that the NWO is the hottest thing that's happened to professional wrestling in the last 20 freaking years. And anything that reminds them of that kind of makes them go, boo <laughs> think we'll ever see you back as like a GM or something like that? No, I think that, that ship has sailed, brother. <laughs> really? I just feel yeah. like I feel like if we heard your music, there'd be a massive pop for that. And there might be for a night or two, you know, but I've kind of been there and I've done that. You know, yeah. with a character like a general manager, there's only so much you can do creatively. I don't wrestle. Clearly now I'm especially not going to wrestle. Uh, and, and with, a, you know, a, a kind of a, an authority figure character, there's only about a dozen things you can do. And then you spend your time trying to, redo the same dozen things 15 or 20 different ways so they don't look like the same things over and over and over again yeah i you know i think the audience we saw it at raw 25 when i came out it got a great reaction uh, and i appreciate it very much it means a lot to me but by about the third or fourth time that music played people go oh god it's him again <laughs> he's back again he's back. i'm back and he's older than ever <laughs> oh for god's sake <laughs> Well, we started the interview asking what the questions that Flair and Hogan often get asked. What's the question when people see you that you get asked more than anything? Oh, whose idea was it really for the NWO? Uh, how hard was it to get Hulk Hogan to turn into a bad guy? Um, how great of a kisser was Miss Elizabeth? <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good question. That's a good question. She was great. <laughs> that's the answer. Eric, such a pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure. And uh, 83 weeks, just keep killing it with that. Thank you, buddy. Uh, appreciate it. Oh, there you go. What an interesting conversation. And I can't wait to do another one with Eric Bischoff again, uh, hopefully soon. He's on the record there saying he'd turn Roman heel. So will he actually do it now? Also, there's no question that he'll be a Hall of Famer one day. No question. Big thanks to our sponsors, Green Roads. Uh, use the code CHRIS15 at greenroadsworld.com. And for amazing audio equipment for your podcast or the one that you're thinking of starting and you should start, go to samsontech.com. This is one of so many interviews I've done in the past that uh, will be making their way onto the Chris Van Vliet podcast, the Chris Van Vliet show. So keep an eye out for those. And really, any of the other interviews you see on my YouTube channel will end up being on here eventually. Uh, so as I wrap this up, a friend of mine said I should have a catchphrase when I end these. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really have a catchphrase. I mean, I say vague goals get vague results, but that's not really a good way to end the show. So I'll leave you with this. Uh, it'll be a tease of an interview I did in the past that will be making its way onto the audio version, the podcast version soon from John Cena. Control the controllable. Mm -hmm. In everything you do in your life, control the controllable. There you go. We'll see you soon.